Dave. Luke. How are you? Very well, and you? Uh, I'm doing okay. Okay. Although, I'm a little bit sad. Go on. The last two weeks, I've been trying to get a warning and mower uh, <laughs> joke. Understandable. Okay. Yeah. So, Mara have released a new Shane Warne beer. Um, I've been trying to get some t- you know, discussion about it or some, some mocking about it <laughs> over Twitter because it's... That is a good place for mocking, Twitter. Particularly for, you know, Shane Warne <laughs> and Moa. Um, people like to put the boot into them. Do they ever? But I've been getting no action. Uh, no one's why? Has it been funny? I think my Twitter's my tweets have been funny. I think um, everyone thinks their own tweets are funny, don't they? Well, maybe I should read some out and you can see. Let's do it. So the first one, um, it's a photo of Shane Warne. It's a photo? It's a photo. Okay. Maybe we'll show the photo to our fans on aleofatime.com. Hey, maybe. It's, <laughs> it's not there. <laughs> it's not there? I can put it up afterwards. Okay. But I don't think I, anyone's going to care. If I show it. you the photo, yeah, okay, and then I can tell you my tweet, All right. and you can see if it's funny or not. So here's the photo. It's Josh Scott okay, from Moa. Josh Scott and Shane Warne. And Shane Warne. Next to that, was it a tap handle? Uh, there's a tap handle there. Yeah, okay. And I've said, oh boy, they look excited. It's it's I'm, I'm not going to stitch my sides up, but it's it's giggles worthy maybe. Okay, well, we'll go to the next one then. All right. Um, these aren't probably in order. I've just sort of pulled them up okay. on Twitter. Uh, so they put out a video as well where they're discussing the beer. Okay. And Warney says, it's good to have a brewery in Blenheim mixing beer. Okay. And uh, I've said, referring to eight wives blends, probably. I, I quite like that. Um, it's probably a good observation <laughs> rather right. than a good joke. So it's not, not a funny joke, just a... There might be a few laughs, but I mean, what else we got? Let's go. There's got to be one in here somewhere that we can... Have a good giggle there. Okay, and there's another photo of Shane Warne. And that seems to be they're what they're basing their whole marketing on, just a photo of Shane Warne. <laughs> What's well, Shane Warne's beer, I guess. I guess so, yeah. Um, another photo of Shane Warne. Okay. And I've said, there's no way that's a real person. Because he looks, you know. Yeah, okay. Again, it's not bad, but um, I don't know. So do you I think my like joke's... They're not. They're not good. I wouldn't say they're not good. They're just poor. That's all. <laughs> okay. So that. I mean, that's not good then. Do you have that photo? Okay. Um. I. So maybe you can. Like, what have you got? What if I was have, to yeah. show you that photo, and you were to come up with a, a joke. Uh, right. What do we have here? Okay. What about something like? When do they get Joan Rivers to market their beer? So, Luke, what are we going to run through today? Ah, first, uh, second Overtime podcast, the official second one. Mm-hmm. Second sewed. Second sewed. Uh, firstly, we're going to do a bit of a catch-up, um, some week's news, what we've been up to in the, yep. in the, in the last couple of weeks. Uh, after that, we're going to talk about some festivals. Festivals have been a hot talking point recently. They certainly have. Summertime, all that jazz. 
Uh, after that, given it's a year, end of the year, let's do a year in review. We've worked hard on all this podcasting. We should uh, wrap up everything. Yeah, we need to really summarise. Yeah. <laughs> summarise what we talked about. Uh, and then we'll do some recommendations before we before we leave. Before we leave and watch the Perth test. Yeah, the cricket afterwards. Cool. All right. Well, before we jump in, uh, Dave, we're drinking a beer. We sure are. What are we drinking? We are drinking from the Yeasty Boys, the Golden Age of Bloodshed, Gab's entry for uh, 2013. Um, and it's a heavily beated... Is it, is this, do they call it Golden Ale or is it Saison? Saison. It's Saison, Saison yeah. yeah. And um, So a, a beetroot Saison. Yeah. Um, I, th- I feel like the colour has improved a lot. It's uh, I know that you can't see it, listeners, no. but this is bright pink. Yeah, um, it really The head is. is bright pink. It looks like... Raspberry cordial. Yeah, like raspberry? one of those like uh, Hungry Jacks, serve yourself soda stream sort of yep, things. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, Taste-wise, it's just remarkable. It's divine. Yeah. yeah. In terms of um, yeast wrangling for a saison, I think yeast is the most important part of a saison. I think they've wrangled the yeast pretty well here. I think so, Stu. If you're listening or anyone that has contact with Stu, make a, sa- a saison and put it in regular range because that is a crack of gear. Yeah, I, I agree. Completely agree. Did they brew this one at Invercargill? Do you know? Oh, I'm not sure. Because hmm. Invercargill also do a really good saison. But you can't get in Australia at the moment. Um, but if anyone's listening, send some over. Yeah, I'll, I'll take some. Hmm. Definitely. Um, all right, so let's come back in a second and we'll do a bit of a catch-up. All right. Since our uh, last episode, Dave, it's probably been three weeks now, maybe even four. Uh, something I'm, like that. I'm not sure. Give or take. Um, what have you been up to? What have I been up to? Well, directly after episode one, um, we had a little bit of lunch and then went off to True Brew, and that was my first visit. And man, True that Brew? place, that's a really, really good place in a, not an incorrect location, but an odd location. It seems... For me, it seems like the right location for that kind yeah, of Yeah, absolutely. Um, just because there's not really any good beer around there. There's a lot of people living in apartment blocks that are... Um, and the proof was in the pudding just while we were there. How many people did we see coming in to get refilled of growlers and squealers and whistlers that they'd already been in and uh, that had been open for a few weeks? Yeah. Um, he, he said sales were up far more than he had expected. Wow. For those that, I guess, maybe didn't listen to the first one... I um, can't believe anyone wouldn't <laughs> listen to our podcast. Um, the True Brew is a growler concept store where they're just selling three different sorts of growlers. Um, so I walked away with a growler of, what did I get? You got the 77 IPA Oh uh, yeah, Riverside, Riverside 77 IPA from New South Wales out of Sydney. Um, lovely beer. One of the, one of the best IPAs in Australia, I think. Oh, uh, and if I'm not mistaken, I think they're... Doing, I mean, surely it's local, but a double version of it. A double seven, version, seven, the seven, seven, I think. Yeah, triple called. seven. It came out, I think, yesterday. Um, I think it's only on tap at the brewery at this stage. I don't know. But I mean, um, that's a potentially sensational sounding beer. I would be very excited to taste it. Hopefully, they send some down. Hopefully, they send some to uh, True Brew. We don't want to like just continually love on True Brew because it sounds like it's a paid advertisement. Mm. I wouldn't mind a paid advertisement, but this isn't one. No. But, um, it's a really, really good craft beer destination. 
What else did we do since then? We went to the Triple Hightail event at Mountain Goat yes. Brewery, um, where they had, what was it? They had one, was it a, wasn't a car, it was a Randalled version of the Triple high of uh, the, sorry, it was just a regular Hightail, wasn't it? Yeah, regular Hightail through the Randall, which had... I think it had Mochueka and Nelson Nelson Hops, Hops yeah. yeah. Um, and I wasn't a massive I quite liked that, that. Uh, in the end. It was really melony. Yeah, it was really, really melony. Um, um, yeah, I, it sort of took away some of the best bits of Hightail for me, though. Yeah. The other one that they had was the Chardonnay Barrel Aged Hightail. Well, let's love on that in a minute because that's going to steal the show. Okay. Because it stole the show on the night. Well, First of actually, all, all right. We'll okay, that we'll, we'll no? discuss. All right. So they had two beers on offer. One was a Chardonnay yeah, barrel aged. Two barrel aged ones. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the other one was in a Shiraz barrel. Yeah. And uh, they were both really, really good. Yeah. The Shiraz was the triple hightail. Um, it was good. It was pretty. It got a bit cloying. That kind mm-hmm. of almost tannins from the barrel were coming through quite a lot. Um, that's probably not the right word, but don't jump down my throat, wine people. Um, wine people. It was very. This podcast. <laughs> it was very Shirazi, um, and I had that before the the regular hightail in the Chardonnay barrel, mm-hmm. and the regular hightail was like a cleanser. It was a really beautiful vinegary Chardonnay experience. It was wonderful, wasn't it? Yeah. Just um, had every character of Chardonnay that, that you just enjoy. It was so refreshing. I believe I saw you drinking it by the pint. <laughs> uh, I don't think I was the only one. But, <laughs> okay. um, as far as I'm concerned, that's the only way to drink it. Or possibly out of a Tiku glass. Or out of a Tiku glass. Uh, but what actually stole the show for me, at the end of the night, I had a regular Hightail. And that beer is, is probably my one of my favourite. Oh, forgotten. Yeah. yeah. And I... Yeah, it had been through all the, you know, different flavours of the night and then thought, I just want a regular Hightail and I loved it. It's such a good beer. It almost, it's one of those things, you know, you don't know what you've got until you've tried the Chardonnay barrel version. <laughs> the old saying. Same old, same old, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. What so else did we get up to? Well, I went to, um, oh, I, I had a pretty fun time, an interesting time at the Asahi Mega Brewery. Um, oh, yeah. Where they're doing Cricketers Arms. Oh, yeah. Uh, lager and IPA. Did uh, you get to have a taste of the beers? Yeah, we had a lunch afterwards, put on by them. Um, the beers are average at best. Okay. Um, I'm not going to lie. The lager, actually, I didn't mind that much. In terms of the lager, yeah, it was fine. Didn't offend me in any way. The IPA was, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's the old, we're trying to make it approachable, and it ends up just not being anything mm-hmm. at all. Um, and the mid-strength was just a generic mid-strength. It could could have been Carlton mid-strength. And I Isn't there like some cricketing wordplay with their labels? Um, yes, Wasn't it like mid-off or something like that? It's mid-on. Mid-on? Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess you wouldn't want to call it beer mid-off. <laughs> yeah, that's be true. Bit of an off-putting. Off they did give us a nice little wooden box that had three of the beers in it to take away, but it also had a nice cricket ball in it, like a kookaburra oh, match ball. Yeah. Very I don't handy. know anyone that uses it. Like, I don't play cricket anymore, but... I'll, I'll, I'll take it off your hands for sure. Yeah, I'll happily give it oh, to okay. you. I feel like it needs to go to a good home. Okay. Um, yeah, so that was interesting. Seeing, you know, a giant factory, they've got a, a keg robot that moves all the kegs around for them. Yeah. Um, and they're just doing a giant bottling line, giant fermenters. Everything's just overwhelming and factory-like. Um, loads of generic fake brands 
um, and RTD brands in their giant warehouse. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a it's definitely an interesting um, interesting move to to bring that cricketers arms brand. Um, you know, as a craft brand, they've called it a sexy brand. Did they? Yeah, I I don't think it's very what sexy. What was the context of that? Uh, they just said it was a sexy brand. Just because they said it, I guess. That's yeah, that's yeah. enough for them, I guess. Yeah. Um, I guess the interesting thing to me was the the CEO. Um, I think he's the CEO, and the salespeople chatting to them. It's pretty obvious they really have no idea of the market they're getting into for for craft. Um, there's a lot of talk of what is craft, obviously. Um, a lot of talk of just not really having a clue, um, which is pretty concerning. It is because you think with those kind of like. Um, more business-like people than brewing kind of people that they should be <laughs> understanding their market and be on top of that. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people don't understand the market yet as well, and the people that are doing well are just doing good beer at this stage. I think that'll change. You know, when the market grows, you're going to have to have more than that. Mm-hmm. You need an edge. Yep. Uh, but yeah, it's. I would be interested to see how far the brand goes. But saying that, I've had a couple of co-workers sort of say offhand to me, oh, they, they tried the IPA and it was really good. Um, so, you know, maybe there is a market there for it. It's well, I remember that the James Squire IPA was a gateway to hops for me. Okay. And then you drink that again and you almost can't detect any hops yeah. in it. So um, maybe it's a good thing. I don't know. Where is it available? I don't even recall ever seeing... I think there's a big push. That was the launch and that right. was maybe two weeks ago. Okay. Um... It must be at a Dan Murphy's. I'm pretty sure I saw it at Dan Murphy's okay. the other day. Um, you, yeah, uh, if my co-workers were drinking it, then it must be somewhere. Yeah, fair enough. Um, what's the other thing we got up to, Dave? Uh, we also... <laughs> I don't think there could be a hop fest at Ale House without us going along to try a couple of beers there, right? And yeah, we went on different days. You went on I went on Friday batch. and Sunday. Yep. Um, so they split it up into two complete tap lists. So we should say the Ale House Project in Melbourne... Mm-hmm. Um, Great venue. It's one of my favourite places to have a beer. I think. Uh, I think it's probably become my favourite beer bar in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, so any highlights on the first day of the beers available? Uh, well, uh, I didn't try all of them as much as I gave it a good go. I really, really enjoyed the Grifter Brewing Company Big Sur West Coast IPA. I heard good things, yeah. It was like, it was a little bit just like the Green Flash West Coast IPA. Wow. Just like proper... West Coast hops, mm. just beautiful. Mm. All about the hop, still balanced. It was a really good beer. Um, well, let's go. Let's skip forward mm, to wh- what day did you go down? I went on the Saturday. Um, that was that would have been day one of, of the. the oh no, day two maybe. I don't know. It's not important. Yeah, it was they, the they had two batches. There. I went. I went and tasted them the second batch. Um, so this is when we can talk about properly because we both tasted. Yeah, them, yeah. yeah. Uh, so the highlights of that day. Um, look, I'm not going to lie. There were a couple that weren't that exciting. Um, the two that really stood out like crazily stood out actually i'll say three that stood out uh seven cent brewery the the new one get to the hopper or (laughs) get to the hopper (laughs) another good name from those guys yeah that was a double ipa it was eight or nine percent from memory Um, i had two of those oh really i really enjoyed it that Uh, is a good endorsement on it with a tap list like that because it was a remarkable tap yeah um the other one which was completely palette dominating was the temple uh, after midnight, so it's a souped-up version of their black IPA. It was so rich. Yeah, you it was. I, I it was actually tough to drink a whole glass of it. Yeah, but that doesn't diminish how 
glorious it was because it was really, really excellent. It, apparently, they brewed a 50-litre batch and then dry-hopped it and lost 12 litres from dry-hopping alone. Wow. Um, wow. And it was 100 IBU, um, so it was just this rich, chocolate, bitter, fragrant... Yeah, the whole glass was a lot to drink, um, but... But it sort of came together... The bitterness wasn't just hot bitterness. It wasn't just, like, coffee bitterness. Mm. It just, like, it was this beautiful in harmony. Yeah. I, was, I really enjoyed it. What else was on the second list? Oh, uh, I don't know what was on when you were there, but um, for the event, they had uh, a Firkin, cask on the bar, and I had the... Uh, which one was it? The Boneyard Grapefruit IPA that included quite a lot of grapefruit juice in it as well. Yeah. And um, was that one on when you were there? Yeah, I had that one. Yeah. That um, was l- I really enjoyed it. Yeah, there was a lot of grapefruit in I th- it. I think by the second day, it got a lot grapefruitier. Oh, right. From okay. my understanding, um, from just what I heard people saying, that it was, like, when I had it, it was still very grapefruit, bitter. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it yeah, was... Yeah, it's like it finished really dry. Yeah. It was quite easy to sit back, watch the cricket, and flick down a few of those yep. ones. Yeah. Yep. And I'm, I'm a big fan of your, your cask beer. Mm-hmm. Um, I know IPAs probably aren't the best best one for a cask beer um but but hey one in rome or when yeah, what else in the doing? hop fest i guess <laughs> yeah the um the third standout for me was the uh the red rocket from murray's which is oh been yeah for a while the uh, retro rocket i think retro rocket, yeah. sorry um it's been around for a while i think off and on yeah uh i remember when <laughs> topical uh but when beer deluxe uh used to have a Murray's tap, I'm pretty sure they yep. used to have, uh, a couple of years ago, maybe two and a half years ago. That was, that was on at one stage, and I was blown away by yeah. how good an IPA, I guess you call it, was for yeah. a 2.8, maybe? Very low, yeah, yeah. something about that. Um, and uh, I really enjoyed that, you know, after having these 8%, 9% yeah, exactly. yeah. um, palate strippers, this was just a really nice, easy drinker. Dave, I think you've, you've uh, actually got a scoop. Well, we've got some news from uh, your. It might be as much of a scoop as scooping up some sand with your hands, because by the time you get up there, there's not much, there's not much to it. But what was it about two, two odd weeks ago, around about that time where there was a little bit of chitter chatter on Twitter? What do you call that? Twitter, Twitter? Tweeters, Twitters. Yeah, Twitters. Um, discussing the uh, Belgian blue brand i guess yep. you call it so belgian blue is a brand that's popped up a couple of times recently um no one really knows what it is it's quite it's a belgian beer um i've been told that over the bar i've looked it up online and couldn't find anything there's any not information yeah there's a it. website that doesn't give you a great deal of information pretty but pretty casually so it seems like it yeah. but um yeah what brought it to my attention was that uh, james davidson put out that it was the same parent company as Melbourne's own Thunder Road Brewing Company. Yeah, I think we did a who is on the website. We you know, look at who yep. owns the website, and it turned out it was the owner. Uh, Elixir, owns. what's the company called? Elixir something? Mm, I can't remember the name. Yeah, okay. So the people that behind Thunder Road, basically, yeah. which is the Melbourne um, brand that kind of divides people in Melbourne for some of their business practices. So there was a little bit of discussion about wh- why, what's the implication for Thunder Road as to having this brand in Belgium? Because I think... In on the website, it mentions that it's everything brewed in Belgium. Yep, brewed in Belgium. Yeah, um, I might even say for the Australian market, something like that. Yeah. So there was a few questions that popped up, as in, what's the, why wouldn't they brew it at, um, why wouldn't they brew it at Thunder Road? Why are they 
um, which where are they brewing it? Like what breweries are they using, or is it they? And I guess Thunder Road has a lot of marketing behind it, and why aren't they leveraging that mm-hmm. existing brand? Um, yeah, so it was a curious case. It was so um, being the resourceful. Uh, resourceful person let's say let's not get nasty uh that i am i shot phil withers who's the ceo of elixir it's i don't know what the company's called because it's not really a good shout out to him anyway um just to ask a couple of questions uh to find out a little bit more about it the primary questions that i asked were was what 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 breweries are they brewing out of why um are they brewing in Belgium? Yeah. For the Australian market. What's the deal with the caginess? Was yeah, exactly. Just, so I just wanted to try and get some answers. Um, and to his credit, he sent me a response the next day, I believe. So it was probably less than a 24-hour turnaround. Mm. So um, that's that's good. That's mm. well done, Phil. Um, but do you have the response on hand? Because it's, it up on my, so on it's my somehow information phone. it probably asks more questions than it answers. Well, yeah, I'll just in actual fact, doesn't well, it? Some of the responses. Um, so they referring to why they're brewing in Belgium. Uh, they said we don't intend to be bound by distance or, or borders. Hence, Belgium translation marketing, 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 marketing. <laughs> Belgium is now a pretty much our second home. Um, unfortunately, we don't disclose our new brewing site because if we do, Saab of Miller, Lion Nathan, and AB InBev, which are the the major beer brands in the world, will send their army of spies to see what we're up to. That first answer is bizarre. There's, yeah, it's a hard one. I believe that if that's followed up with, um, as has been happening at their Brunswick brewery. Yeah, as they have been doing lately in Brunswick. Um, so there's rumours of spying from the majors. How do you spy on a brewery? Well, you just turn up. Like they don't. I'm pretty sure the brewery's open. But yeah, I was good. Well, what's interesting, um, one. Th- time chatting to a, a brewery uh, representative one time who has a friend that works or does work I can't remember um, at that brewery they weren't allowed to go visit their friend um, it seemed to have caused a bit of a rift in the friendship because of the whole uh, look I'm going to say paranoia and I think this email brings it to light it seems really paranoid to me right absolutely right but and it seems anti the spirit of the current scene where you know, people are sharing yeast and hops. and Or cr- uh, Croucher in New Zealand pretty much just have their recipe on their website for their core range of beers. Yeah. Um, a lot of breweries in New Zealand are starting to share breweries and there's so much contract brewing happening. Feral and Nail in Western Australia. Yeah, it just seems to go against the current nature of the beast, but uh, just mm. an odd, an odd paranoid thing to say, yeah. really. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't have anything more to add. That's yeah, so um, to try so that exclusive, we just still don't know where they're being brewed. But in Belgium, the other thing I found uh, interesting was he said that he wanted to brew Belgian beers in Belgium mm. and Australian beers in Australia, mm. and that just that struck me as a little bit odd because if they, I think they've got uh, Hopstar American Pale Ale. Yep, so that's an American beer. Have they got a, bre- a, a brewery in America case, to yeah. brew American beers? Although I guess um, having visited Belgium earlier this year, the Belgium brewery scene or beer scene, there is a lot of fake things happening, a lot of lies. You know, uh, they might not actually brew in a brew house anymore. They might be sort of fudging the history of the beer. 
So maybe this is probably the most Belgian thing they could do is kind of fudge their... Yeah, okay, yeah. fair enough. That's not bad, actually. Yeah. All right. Um, was there anything else in that email uh, that was particularly I guess the one thing... Oh, no, no, not in that email. No. Um, the one last thing in, in sort of our news section is the Calton Draft um, recent occurrence at the Adelux in Melbourne where Calton Draft... I don't think it's just them, though, is it? It also happens at Naked for Satan. As yeah, well, that's right. Um, yeah. Which is another bar in um, Melbourne. Basically, they've installed this bizarre copper system. I haven't actually seen it in person yet. I've seen photos. Um, that is pouring unfiltered, unpasteurized Calton draft. Mm. I don't know what to make of this. I wonder what the price point is as well. It's a good question. Yeah. Maybe we should have thought of this before we went to the air. Yeah, I... I remember someone telling me about it when it was at Naked for Satan, and I thought they were wrong in terms of someone said, oh, you can get this unfiltered, unpasteurized beer. I'm like, why would that be a marketing thing? And then they said it was current draft. I'm like, well, this makes even less sense. You're probably a liar. It turns out I was wrong. I didn't know them. So oh, you're a bigger man just for admitting your mistake. Yeah, probably. <laughs> bigger man than the person I called mm, a liar. Yeah, exactly. Um, and now they're doing it at Beer Lux, and it seems that, I think there's been a few grumblings about Beer Deluxe being sort of moving towards... Yeah, see you beer-fied. Yeah. That's disappointing. But saying that, though, the same night they launched the Unpasteurized... Mm -hmm. They also had a uh, cask of Hoppinator. Cask of Holgate Hoppinator. Um, You don't see too many casks around. They also had Hop Zombie from Epic on, which is an amazing beer. beer, Um, Brewdog Tokyo was on. I think there's a Moo Brew triple on, Barrel Age triple. So they've added extra tap space now. And while they're doing this bizarre, unfiltered, unpasteurized Carlton Draft, they're also actually stepping up their craft game. And it's still find the Carlton Draft thing extremely confusing. Yeah, who's crying out for that? I don't understand. Yeah. I, I, well, like not the Carlton Draft drinkers. Yeah. And not the people who want to drink good beer. Where's it coming from? Yeah, it's mystery. Yeah, Complete mystery. Strange. Maybe it'll be a success. Who knows? Uh, Does that um, conclude a little time news? <laughs> do, 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 do. All right. That was just Luke, by the way. That wasn't a sound effect. <laughs> um, okay, we'll come back in a second and we'll chat about festivals. Welcome back. Thanks. You're welcome. How are you going since we last spoke? I'll, I will say this. That Golden Age of Bloodshed, that's a serious beer. Yeah, I've just finished mine, um, and it was delicious. I've got yeah. two more bottles left, I think, at home, and I'm probably just going to drink them when I get home tonight. So what's the age on them right now, do you think? Six months, maybe? Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. Um, tasting lovely. I can't imagine... Fresh is not best. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is a good exponent of that. I can't imagine it getting any better. Um, so if you've got any bottles around, I'd, I'd say just Enjoy, jump in. Enjoy, yeah. yeah. So we wanted to talk a little bit about festivals uh, being summertime, being, I guess, peak festival season. Mm-hmm. For the sun's out. Sun's out, almost. That's all, I think. Oh, uh, you know, not, this, not this summer. Yeah, jeez. Yeah, How about that weather? <sighs> in Melbourne, yeah? yeah. Changes. Um, so I, I, I went to a festival about two weeks ago, the Williamstown Beer Festival. Mm-hmm. And I came back a little bit underwhelmed by the whole thing. Um, it seemed to be, and like a lot of these festivals, the same old brands standing behind a trestle table, 
serving two different sorts of beer. Sounds like a festival to me. Yeah, and I was just sort of thinking, I know there's sort of the entry-level people that, you know, enjoy, you know, this is all sort of a lot new to them, um, but given that these festivals are, I think there's been three or four since then that have happened already. Yeah, exactly. Um, I couldn't name them all. There's, there's a couple that I didn't even hear about till they were happening. Um, and I guess somewhat timely um, to have this discussion, Crafty Pint emailed out his regular newsletter yesterday and he mentioned that some festivals were not seeing the attendance they expected. Um, brewers were losing a lot of money on it. They're not selling the beer they expected to. Did he mention if that was recently, like the recent festivals? It seemed to be, yeah. Do you think there's a correlation with the saturation of festivals? Well, um, also on the Crafty Pint website, Kate um, Jordan wrote a, a really well-researched piece about um, festivals and is there too, are there too many festivals? And she spoke to a lot of brewers. Uh, a lot of them said yes, but we're going to go to all of them and then work out what the best ones are. Um, you know, a lot of them are picking and choosing. But mm. since then, it seems to be a lot of them are coming back saying they're losing money. Uh, one And the other problem that I had at the one I went to was I poured out three beers um, that were horribly infected. Um, like... I guess it's just not a good way of showcasing your wares, is it? Definitely, and and when you are at a festival, you've got people unfamiliar with the brand. You know, you've you've, you've only bought two beers, and one of them's infected. Like, what are you thinking? What's you know, you're not tasting your beer before you serve it. Um, and you know, do you expect people to come away and go, "Oh wow, their trestle table was so good." With shirts. Yeah. Shirts they were wearing, yeah. yeah, they're matching shirts. Um, like, you know, and there were there were brewers that that had something interesting. Um, Cavalier spring to mind. They had a Berliner Weiss, and they had the syrup. Um, you know, different syrups you could oh, yeah. add to it. The good traditional. Uh, um, the traditional serving way. of it. Yeah. Yep. Um, and you know that's not much. It's not a, you know, crazy, elaborate thing to do, but it, w- it was at least interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and go, oh, okay, this is different to the pilsner that I'm tasting next door. So. I guess my point is they're a bit boring. This is probably why people aren't going. I think H- how is the just the festival feel? Uh, what was the weather like? It rained and then came sunny again. It was pretty quiet uh-huh. as a whole. It got busier in the evening. They had two sessions. Um, for us, we caught up with a few people we know, um, chatted to a couple of brewers that I know. Um, so that w- that was nice. But there were brands that I was really keen to try. That I don't normally try. I'm not going to name them um, on air, but that I always went away just with literally with a bad taste in my mouth. And there are some brands that I think you know could probably put a bit more effort into what they're doing at festivals. Well, I think that festivals, you not so much a point of difference, but festivals can't just be. This is our beer. Do you like it? Yeah, you've got a, a passive audience that are you know the reason they're paying is to come along and say hey, we want to taste your beer and we want you to show us your beer. So people love going to festivals and chatting to the brewers, um, chatting to the people behind the thing, behind the the table and learning about the beer. And, you know, now's the time to to do that. One thing I will say, Thunder Road Brewery, who we talked about just before, they they do it really well. They had a hot rod with Thunder Road branding on it. They had shot glasses or tasting glasses with their branding. They had just their branding is excellent they've got a really slick um 
look. It doesn't it doesn't appeal to me, but it appeals to a lot but of people. But it would draw people to their th- yeah. trestle table, I it, guess. Yeah. yeah, it makes them stand out. Um, and you know, I think I think that's that's important. So I think, and let's well, let's talk about Gabs because um, I heard this week that they for next year, twenty fourteen, they're going to have one hundred and twenty different breweries showcasing their beer. Gee, that's a lot, isn't it? Yes. Uh, what do you reckon? Too many? Uh, I do, but I think it's too many beers because I think last year, what was it, 100? 100, yeah. 90 or something like yeah. that? Um, there's probably half a dozen that, st- that stood out. Mm. Uh, I know it's like a, it's a mishmash for your palate, so that, mm. that's another reason why um, some beers don't stand out. But uh, out of 90 beers, and I think I got to all of them over few sessions mm. yeah I think there were probably half a dozen that stood out and I mm. remembered and I wanted to try again mm. um, so personally I think there's too many beers but I think the most enjoyable parts of Gab's festival for me was when I'd finished going through the uh, tasting paddles and I just got one glass of taco or mm. At the feral stand, their golden ace with the new um, single hop that wasn't uh, that wasn't sriracha ace that was yep. tasting sensational. Yep. And you sit down and you can chat to people because everyone who's be, who loves beer is there, mm. and you can talk to them. And people who don't know that much about beer are excited. Mm. Yeah, that's for me. I didn't go to Gabs this year. We we're trying to save money, so we thought, you know, I don't want to go and just work off a whole bunch of samples and not really get to taste any of the beers but watching you know social media and seeing everyone you know posting how much they're enjoying it photos of, of people that you know you know um, from other other cities and other countries even enjoying beer together and I felt a little bit oh I'm missing out on all this but in terms of the beer I, 120 I don't think is like if I, if I was a brewery and I had to brew a one-off beer and I know there are some quite strict um, rules that the Gabs organizers place on the breweries I, I don't know what they are uh, offhand but it, I think there's a bit of cost involved to the, the breweries mm-hmm. and I don't think uh, how do you stand out to 120 amongst 100 like you know you're not really getting anyone talking about your beer it's so hard to get traction in that space it's also a shame it's not a shame but it's unfortunate when someone brews a to style beer that's there's not anything extreme about it and they just get lost mm. and some of them like was it one of the years that last drop from wa made it like dunkelweizen mm. and it was glorious mm. but dwarfed by these ridiculous chili flavors and all these yeah, kinds of yeah. things then you don't think about it on the day and then Usually the local tap house will have a few kegs afterwards and you can try it in full. Mm. I think it was Dunkelweizen they had and it was really excellent. And that happens a lot, I think. One of the... Um, <coughs> the one we just finished, actually, the Yeasty Boys Bloodshed. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone on Twitter was posting their thoughts as they went throughout the day and they tried that one and, and their reaction was meh. And then Stu from Yeasty Boys said, you know, what do you mean? And they said, "Oh, you know, it's just it's just drinkable, and that's about it." And Stu was, pseudo, I think, justifiably a little bit annoyed by that. You know, they've made a, a beetroot saison, which, as we've just experienced, was lovely, 
extremely drinkable. Better than lovely, I think, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, to me, an almost pitch-perfect saison can just be whatever amongst that yeah. that thing. And not uh, not because it's worse than those beers. It's because, you know, uh, these guys have put something crazy in this beer that's more exciting in this space. And that's a bit of a shame. And with 120 beers, you know, what do you, what do you got to do to mm-hmm. stand out? So, I think it is too many, but... Uh, I don't think that's what it's about anyway. I think it's about people loving beer and talking about it and yeah. discussing it and just having a good time. I think it's more about the people. So even though 120 is a big number, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think it matters. Yeah, and to the enjoyment of the festival, that is. So yeah. if it starts to affect brewers... Are, are you planning to go into to any more this year or next this, year? Uh, oh, I don't even know if that's many. I'll probably reduce... I don't know. I'll probably reduce the amount of sessions I go to at Gabs, mm. and I might get some limited paddles, but I won't be just like churning. I'm not going to be doing mm. the making sure I can try and taste 120 different beers yeah. there. And what about you know your weekend regional festival? Any of those you're going to hit? Um, I always like the. I still haven't. I actually haven't been. But I was the, the idea of the beers by the bay appeals to me. Yep. Um. So they'll s- schedule allowing. They'll mm. be. Uh, Given some consideration. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't planned to go to any anymore, but plans may change. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to add about festivals? No, I think I'm. I think cool. I'm ready for a little bit of super shine. All right, so we'll come back. We've got a new beer to drink, and we'll uh, discuss something else. Beer year in review. Oh, okay. Uh, our favourites from the year. All right. But you can't wait to find out what we like oh. this year. So edge of your seat right now. All right. See you in a second. Uh, before we jump into talking about our favourites of the year, we have just poured ourselves a delicious, well, a beer from my cellar. Um, it's a 2011 Super Shine from Grand Ridge Brewery, which is a almost like a double Scotch ale, I guess is the, the best oh, description. That's probably the only thing you could call it. Right? It's yeah. listed as a barley wine, isn't it? Oh, is it listed as a barley I wine? I think it might be. Hmm. We sh- the bottle's out there. I don't know. You can what have we got, Em? Is it a barley wine? Does it, does it matter what it is? She's screwing her face up. All right. Okay, it's just called an extra strong ale, according to the bottle. Yeah. Anyway, um, what is it about? 11%. 11%? Yeah. Okay. So, this has been in my cellar for two years, uh, and we've just poured it. It's a little bit probably cold to taste it. It's tasting a little bit oxidized, I think. Yeah, I think it's there, but I think it's worth mentioning that it, it looks beautiful. Mm. <laughs> it pours really, really thick. It looks like it's um, like liquidized caramel being poured mm. into a glass. It is, yeah, it's very There's attractive. I'm getting a slight bit of sherry, and then I kind of get that wet cardboard right at the back. It's definite sherry there. Ooh, and then a little bit of like caramel, and then there, a little bit of wet cardboard. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I reckon we should give it a little bit of time. I think once it warms yeah. up, it might be really interesting. Okay, so let's do some year in review. Uh, we've got a few categories that we're going to discuss of our, our favourites throughout the year. Uh, the first one will be favourite brewery from the year. Um, Dave, do you want to? Absolutely. Uh, also, the way that we've set this up is that we're going to give our favourite and then we're going to give a little shout out, honourable mention to yeah. someone as well. So, it's um, always hard to pick brewery. one. Um, I guess 
anyone who's read tweets, listened to any of our podcasts, will understand that we love Garage Project. So for me, Brewery of the Year has been Garage Project because everything that's been brought in here, I don't, I've not had one that I haven't enjoyed, and most of them I've just thoroughly enjoyed. So I'm a huge Garage Project fan, and my uh, honourable mention goes to Mornington hmm. Peninsula Brewery because they just don't know again they're just not familiar with the concept of bad beer can't wait to see what's going to happen um, in the future cool how about you Luke uh, so my brewery brewery of the year um, is not a local one um, I went to Belgium this year who's anyone who's talked to me so far or listened to this podcast has probably heard a lot about already but Destruce brewery from um, actually from Vlederen so not too far from the famous West Vlederen brewery um, or the Abbey St. Sixtus, where the West Vlederen beers come from. Destruce, uh, I guess probably a new world brewery. Um, they're doing you know, a lot of modern barrel aging, um, uh, some hop forward beers. They also do a lot of classic beers. Their I guess, signature beer would be Panapot, which is, I think, a strong ale, a Belgian strong ale. Um, a lot of people don't n- don't know it. It's, it's amazing. We get it here, and yeah. um, it's really really good. I think people need to understand how good how good a beer that Panapot is. It's amazing when I well, you talk to people and you say, oh, you should, you know, have you tried Panapot? And they're like, I don't know what that is. I haven't heard of it. Like it's on the shelves always, and it's outstanding. Why you know why is this sort of why aren't people just buying a lot more of this beer? The other one I had was I think it might have been a. I seen a 2010 Grand Reserva. So they do 2010 versions of Panapot, they do a reserve version, and then they do a Grand Reserve version. I can't remember the differences off the top of my head, but that beer just it blew me away. Um, and to you know, we drank a lot of beers in Belgium, and and that one still stands out. You know, that's got to be a, a pretty special beer. Um, so if you're listening and you don't really know Destruce, go find out. Go learn. Mm. And my runner-up is Garage Project. Um, we've discussed them yeah. already. Good worthy, stuff, Garage Project. Worthy honourable yeah. mention there. Yeah. What do we got next? We're looking at a little bit of uh, ah to watch for next year. Yes, this is an interesting one. Um, a bit of discussion, I think, will happen here. Uh, I have a feeling you might be right. I might kick it off. Um, I have marked Monster Mash Brewing as one to watch next year because. As I'm yet to try the uh, famed already double IPA, uh, I have tried the hopped out red, which is very good. But I don't know. I think a brewery that is going to kick off with two sort of ostentatiously hopped beers, mm. I'm kind of excited by. So I uh, feel like there's not going to be much fear in well, uh, in their brewing. Some, I guess some background on them as well. They originally came out as a cider company. Mm-hmm doing Golden Axe Cider. Um, I don't think I've actually tried the Golden Axe Cider. Um, but then I was chatting to the guy behind it one day and he said, we're going to do a beer and it's going to be a double IPA. Like, that's pretty ambitious for your first beer. And he said, yeah, that's what we want to be about. Um, I think they brewed it at Coinda. Okay. Not 100% sure on that. Uh, but yeah, they came out with Monster Mash and people were raving about it. People love that beer. Yeah, yeah, exactly uh, right. The, so the new batch has just hit shelves this week, I think. I think you might be right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if that if that's the kind of stuff they're going to hit the ground running with, then I'm pretty keen to see what they're going to do in 2014. Yeah, cool. Then I have uh, an honourable mention to everybody's favourite bald man, Brew Cult. 
Hey, because, Hendo. Uh, hey, Hendo. Um, I mean, a guy that makes uh, balsamic vinegar Baltic porter. I mean, That's a, yeah. don't, don't you want to, have to say more? <laughs> so my ones to watch next year, um, we talked about them last week, and that was two metre tall doing their sours. Um, they're really just kind of stepping up their sour program and their wild yeast. And, you know, I think what we're tasting now is kind of the first step. Um, they're, they're outstanding. Um, I think they're only going to get better. From I want just to see them brewing more beers so I can try them because yeah. everything that I've had so far is just mm. makes me just want to drink a lot of it. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing a lot more of theirs. Um, and, you know, the thing with sour beer and doing it right is it takes a long time. Um, so hopefully, you know, maybe if it isn't next year, it'll be two or three years down the track when there's a really serious amount of beers coming out of them. Uh, and my runner-up, um, or honourable mention, goes to Morn- Mornington, who was Dave's honourable mm-hmm. and the um, favourite. For me, Mornington have just kind of started hitting my radar recently, um, and I don't really know why. It's just, you know, a brewery that you've always seen there and never really in- adventured into. They're going to start canning next year. That'll be fine. Their pale. Yep. Can- canned pale will be, will be a very exciting thing to have. Um, and, yeah, I think... For me, they're just starting to hit their straps, um, in my mind at least. Maybe I've been missing out all this time. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they come up with uh, in the in 2014. Fair enough. All right, so Dave, your favourite beer? Favourite beer of the year um, is a surprising one to me at least because it's not there's nothing extreme about it or that should really stick in your in my mind, but. Um, Maybe not without a shadow of a doubt, but in a pretty comfortable first, I had the Garage Project Hops on Points, mm. which was, um, we've already discussed, I think. We discussed uh, it last yeah, week, yeah. Last week, yeah, but it's just that lovely, delicately hopped, um, is it a blonde? I think it's a blonde, isn't it? That's a lager. Yeah, uh, so I just, as soon as I tasted that, I knew it was mm. just going to be a favourite of mine. So lager, maybe a Pilsner, finished with champagne yeast yes that's right so you get that lovely dry mm. um, dry finish mm. um, yeah that I was blown away by it um, and my honourable mention goes to the um, Tilken Gertz because that is a beer and that, that was their that's their first beer they're a new blendery they're not actually a brewery they're buying base lambics they're buying lambics I oh, really I wasn't yep. aware of that so they're buying base lambics from other um, lambic breweries which is not uncommon it's not um, frowned upon mm. um, blending old and new lambics to make a gers um, is apparently a, an extremely difficult thing to do um, but yeah yeah really good cool I think we've already discussed yours let's, let's hear more about it though oh uh, yeah so mine um, as I just discussed the Panapot Reserver um, just yeah I don't know we've discussed it and my runner up um, is also a Destruce beer which you can get in Australia occasionally which is the Cuvée Delphine um, it was on shelves at Slow Beer for maybe three weeks I've got a bottle at home still um and yeah just just outstanding that's all i need to say yeah absolutely uh okay and the beer highlight of the year in terms of events um maybe i mean it's hard to not mention good beer week in this conversation so um so dave you went to good beer week you went to a lot of events and it wasn't too much though it was a step back from the year before yep because i sort of did burn the candle at both ends yeah the year for the previous year how did how did it compare for you 
what uh, the but two years. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think pretty similar because like it's such an enjoyable week. Hmm. Um, it'd be remiss of us to not to mention Good Beer Week, but um, and uh, sorry, just a shout out to yeah. the guys that organise Good Beer Week. Yeah, nice work. They're all volunteers. Um, they do a, a really hard job. It's basically a year-round thing for them. Um, and I, I, yeah, I'm so impressed with how they do it. So obviously, your highlight of the year is going to be Belgium. Uh, let's hear a little bit about it. Oh, well, I think I, I, I can never remember who I've told about it, and how much I've I've told about it. But Belgium, um, if you're a someone that loves beer, then just go to Belgium. Um, it's interesting. A lot of people ignore Belgium now that America is such a big influence on, on modern beer. You know, big IPAs coming out of the states are kind of driving this whole resurgence in local beer. But going to Belgium, you kind of realise that there is no resurgence needed because they've always had this local beer, and they're not doing those that sort of hoppy giant beers not readily available in Belgium. You can get a couple um, now. There's a couple of really good ones coming out. I'm mistaken. It was a, a beer and cycling tour. You yeah, did? It was a, yeah, it's called Beer Cycling, basically. Okay. Uh, BeerCycling.com. Um, shout out to Evan who um, takes the tours. He doesn't take all of them. He's got a couple of helpers um, that do help him out now. He's been doing it for three or four years, and we just biked from around sort of the top of Belgium, um, around Ghent, Bruges, and Brussels uh, for ten days, and stopping in a brewery pretty much every day. And after because Evan's done it for four years, he knows everyone. He knows the brewers. He knows the the people behind the bar. So you get really, really crazy good access. You know, um, the Dole Brewers who do the Mad Bitch um, beer. You know, getting to see their barrel room, getting to taste, uh, getting seeing an unpluggus barrel that's, you know, I think ten or twenty years old and it's flies around it, um, and then pull out a sample for you to taste is pretty special. Yeah, um, absolutely. We tasted the Cantillon Fufone, the head brewer at Cantillon. Um, you know, we chatted to him briefly, and then he came back and had a glass each, a small glass each of this Fufone that had been fermenting for eight days. I think the fruit had been in the in the thing for eight days, and yeah, you, you know, you, money can't buy that kind of thing. Um, so if anyone, you know, people just go to Belgium um, and soak it up. It's it's a really fun country. Uh, they like they love cheese, they love beer, they love waffles. Yeah, you can't really go wrong. Sounds um, like a heaven. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> Get to Belgium, everyone. And 10-4, I will. Yeah, do it. Not right now. You've no, got to finish this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and your other highlight, Dave? My other highlight was, um, it's it's sad that Red Hill had to close their doors on the weekend, um, but I think it's for good reasons because they're just uh, upping their production on their beers, so mm. I don't think anyone can really have a problem with that. So this uh, Red Hill Brewery? Yeah, um, Red Hill Brewery in uh, Southern Victoria. Yep. Um, and uh, so to offset that, they still open up their doors and restaurant for uh, special occasions. And one such that I attended was the uh, secret stash they do every year where they sort of squirrel away a few um, a few kegs to have a special occasion. And this was one such occasion. And the beers they had on, first of all, the beers were incredible. But they, they do a really good yeah, beer. Yeah, they, uh, they really do. Uh, and this one was also a great group of people were down there, so mm. it was a really fun, a really fun day. Uh, the particular beers they had on were uh, pretty stout focused. Yep. So um, they had the double barrel version of the 2010. Wow. Yes, <laughs> which was 
magnificent. The 2012 just regular uh, Imperial Stout was tasting an absolute treat as well. So there were some pretty serious Mm. um, beers on offer. And uh, the one that I want to mention is when it was fresh, I wasn't a big fan of the gin barrel age temptation. After 12 months, that beer Mm. is sublime Mm. because everything settles down, everything melds together, and it was a, a, a real treat. Uh, from from memory, it was it was huge, um, a year ago. It yes, was, it was lovely. I thought I thought it was remarkable, but it was probably too big. It needed some time to settle. And so. that's exactly what's happened, and it's worked really well. And that yeah, that was a. Se- if anyone's held bottles of that, hmm. then I don't know how much did, better it's going to get. Did they put the gin? Yes. Oh, cool. In the big bottles, I think they did yeah, right. twelve months ago. Um, uh, but also they had available in bottles, um, six packs of. 2008 to 2013 uh, Imperial Stout. Yeah, like a vertical. Yeah, like a vertical. So yeah. with that availability, it just made it a really, really good day. Yeah, cool. Mm. What are you thinking of the Super Shine now that... Uh, uh, now that it's warmed up, it's a lot nicer. Mm-hmm. Um, the kind of the caramel, the toffee, a little bit warm from the alcohol. A little bit um, of raisin. Yeah, really raisiny. You're right. Um it's but also the warmth I mean really brings out the booze in this one yeah it, it <laughs> tastes, tastes a lot, lot bigger booze, <laughs> yeah. um, but you know being Christmas time and, and getting a uh, Christmas pudding and, and some of this and yeah absolutely custard, I'd, be, I'd be pretty happy um, cool I think that's it for highlights I mean it has been an amazing year for beer um, we're just seeing it go up you know we'll come back uh, in a bit with some recommendations absolutely like we've just recommended a whole bunch of things already but you know let's get some more recommendations out well, there. a lot of those stuff might not be available yeah that's true moment. so <clears throat> i'll kick it off uh i'm recommending some sour beers um I'm, I'm really hoarding sour beers this year and one thing i've noticed um at your more i guess craft beer shops around melbourne there are some that are sitting on the shelves still while canteen beers will fly out the door straight away um there's a few that that are still really good that are aren't flying off as quickly so if you are looking at exploring some sour beers um i've got a couple of recommendations uh the first one would be the boone marriage parfait um which is probably a, a really good introduction to a sour beer it's not too sour um it's just an easy drinking a, a really good summer beer the other one which I've seen on shelves as recently as yesterday is the, and I'm going to massacre the pronunciation, uh, the Oud Bursel Creek. Uh, they do a creek and a gurs. Uh, I really like the creek. It's a little bit sweeter than some of the, you know, the Cantillon Creek or the Creek Durank. Um, but yeah, as a, in terms of a summer sour creek, it's that you can get really easily. Um, yeah, check it out. I saw it on the shelf at Black Hearts and Sparrows. So which one? The which one? Which Black Hearts and Sparrows? Oh, sorry, right? the yeah. one in Kensington. Um, I can imagine though that both of those beers are on the shelf there, and I'd assume they're, they're around at the other ones as well. Yeah, if you, anyone goes to the one on Punt Road, that's like an, a forgotten Black Hearts and Sparrows. You can often get some uh, some treats that are off the shelves at the other stores. I know someone's gonna be very mad that you've just said that. 
Anyway, um, the other two, uh, I've seen them at Slow Bear in Melbourne in particular. Uh, I'm sure they're around elsewhere as well. Uh, the Dreefontaines and the Tilquin Goose, which is we both mentioned previously yeah. um, on this podcast just earlier. And both of them, they're sitting on shelves. Yeah, I'd imagine anyone that stocks that would probably have... Um, would probably have bottles of it because mm. I don't think there's not a lot of people that yeah people know are about it that, that much yeah and when we saw Canteon um, you know the regular shipment come in people were it was crazy people, people were snacked, frothing in the mouth up. too yeah which is interesting two two or three years ago um, you could get a Canteon pretty easily they'd sit on the shelves for a couple of weeks at least and now if you don't get it on the first day then you might miss out or it might not even hit shelves yeah. I know um, it possibly isn't with sours, but with at Grape and Grain, a lot of the high demand beers are allocated before they come in. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, I think those four that I've just mentioned, if you can't get your hands on a Canteon, you're you could probably find one of these. And to be honest, I I like them just as much. Um, some of the special Canteons probably I like them a lot more, but you're not really losing anything with those. Super keen to explore some sounds this summer. Yeah, well, you should listen to this podcast. Well, I don't want to be making promises. <laughs> okay. Um, now, my non-beer recommendation. Uh, the last few weeks, well, probably the last year I've been um, living near a market. So, the last year I have been living near a market. The last few weeks I've been going crazy on it is um, Little Saigon Market in Footscray. Have you been there, Dave? Never, no. It's amazing. Yeah? It's, um, it feels like being in Saigon. Vietnam, uh, all the signs are in Vietnamese. There's a lot of food I don't recognise. Um, there's a lot of really cheap food. It's loud. Um, it's What's the location of it? It's in Footscray. Uh huh. Um, not like you know what's five minute walk from Footscray Station. Okay. Um, so there's Footscray Market, and then this is a bit further away. You can. All the fruit is cut up to sample, so you can kind of wander around eating fresh mango. Um, Good idea, though. Yeah, and we'll you know we'll go around and taste all the mangoes and then decide which one to buy. Um, it's so cheap. You can get just like a, a week's worth of vegetables for less than $20 and it's all really good quality. Um, that is good. If, if you're into food and you're in Melbourne and you haven't been there, you should really just go wander around. And Maybe you shouldn't be giving this shout out so you can keep undesirables that listen to this podcast out of Little Saigon Market. Look, it's pretty busy as it is and it's Footscray oh, right, so okay. there's, you know, couple of undesirables around anyway. I think so. there are one or two actually, yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's actually a l new little restauranty type takeaway place that's opened up doing Vietnamese street food. Um, and I tried, I don't know what it was, it was in a little bag, came with some chopsticks, it was a mixture of fishy things and spicy things and rice paper and a sauce. It was amazing. I don't know what I was eating, but it was one of the best things I've ever eaten. <laughs> um, yeah, so if you're in Melbourne, go to Little Saigon. And just buy a whole bunch of things. Yeah. So you can Good buy. Good tip. Yeah. This is an educational podcast. Very educational and delicious as well. Yeah. All right, Dave. Recommendations. All right, uh, yeah, my beer recommendation is uh, the Black Dog Brewery from uh, part of the uh, High Country Brewery Trail in uh, Northern Victoria, and they James has just got his. Well, I don't say just got it, but he's pretty much cranking out beers from his new brewery setup. And uh, there was very, very limited availability 
before this because this was a much smaller scale. How many did you, tr- did you try? I think I've only ever tried one. And do you know which one it was? Maybe like the golden. Okay. Like the, the, right. the basic. Maybe it's a pale. I, I, yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, fair enough. So, um, but now that he's got this new brew house, it's much more uh, widely available and the range is tasting really, really good. So there's a golden ale, a lazy dog golden ale. There's a, howl- a howling dog pale ale. Um, I don't know if you've noticed the theme, but it's a black dog brewery. He has a little black dog with a brewery called Macca. So they're, they're dog themed? Yes. Wow. Yeah, okay. I know. <laughs> I, uh, are there any other dogs? I'm not sure if there's many other dog themed breweries. Uh, there might be a couple around. Uh, uh, none come to mind, but anyway, yeah, I'll go yeah. back to... Uh, yeah, they've got the, the howling pale ale, which actually, at the moment, in its latest uh, version, is really, really mm. good. Perfect for summer. Um, just a just a good light hoppy pale ale. Mm. Um, not too dissimilar from the Mornington pale ale, but yeah. uh, definitely really good. Um, I think the IPA is called Leer of the Pack. It's a very hop forward. Uh, I've heard a lot of good things about yeah, that. One. That's yeah, that's a very good beer. Uh, I think that's for an event at Good Beer Week. Maybe it wasn't a Good Beer Week event, but they. Did Collaborated with uh, Hop Dog Beer Works yep. for a, um, I think it was a barrel aged uh, Imperial Red. Now, the Good Beer Week version, I think it might have been a whiskey barrel that they used. I'm not certain on that one actually, but uh, he's used uh, an estate. Uh, I think it might be a, oh, I'm going to make a fool of myself here, but he's used a wine barrel basically from, because the, the, he's also um, operates. Uh, a winery at um, yep. Tamanic Cellars. Uh, so he's used a, a state wine barrel and uh, he's put this Imperial Red into the wine barrel. And that's quite uh, quite a handy beer. Hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, he's also a uh, Russian Imperial Stout that names escapes me. I've bought a couple, but I've put them away for winter time. So nice. I can only imagine it's going to be pretty handy though. Cool. Yeah, I... Haven't explored their beers yet, so I'm really keen to. Oh, now that they're more available, there's going to be uh, yeah more chance to, uh, I believe. Uh, and my non-beer recommendation is actually for a brunch option if you live in the southeast suburbs. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Brunch in Melbourne. I d- it is a thing. I don't know if you're aware of that. I think they might have a couple of dog-themed brewery beers there. They don't actually. <laughs> uh, but uh, the Merchants Guild in Bentley is one of four or five really really good cafes that just opened up in the area uh this is in my opinion the pick of the bunch because mm. they have padre coffee uh, that they I do like a padre coffee absolutely so that's probably the best coffee option uh in that sort of area in the southeast suburbs uh the food my god the food do they know how to put a breakfast together do they bacon like they shouldn't call it bacon they should call it slab of pig because it's it's a hefty, it's so a hefty one of those bacon. thick cut bacon steak kind of deals. Exactly right. That's just how they serve their bacon. Right. Uh, the the whole menu is mouth watering. I've been there a few times and had different uh, something different each time and just been blown away by it. Mm. Uh, they make um, uh, one of the chai. They they, they manufacture the brana chai there. Oh yeah, the uh, bags of exactly yep. right. So there's just chai everywhere. Um, mm. But yeah, if you even if you don't live anywhere near, there, go and eat there because it's really really good. All right, I'm sort of a little bit hungry thinking about it actually. Well, maybe we should uh, wrap maybe this baby up. Yeah, it's a beautiful day outside. What are we doing in here? It's a dark room. 
Yeah. Let's go enjoy some sunshine. Let's do it. Alrighty, folks. Um, we'll be back in the new year with all sorts of hijinks. There'll be laughs. There'll be tears. There might be some scientific breakthroughs definitely scientific breakthroughs um we're gonna do some glass tastings over the new year break and we'll come back with our findings we yeah we figured that if we did it live that'd be boring yeah you don't want to hear us take try comparing four different glasses oh. snooze so yeah so we'll do that in our own time and then we'll let you know what we think the, the things that we do for our dedicated putting lis- in the hard listener, yards listeners listener i think yeah oh no we'll, if we both listen to it okay yeah, that's probably true and yeah yeah, I was gonna say Emma listens Emma's, to it. Well, she, I don't think she's listening to it. She doesn't listen. No, <laughs> she says she's listening. Okay. Yeah. Um. All right. Great. Well, happy New Year and Merry Christmas, Dave. Seasons greetings to everybody. We'll see you soon. Yeah.